Nutmeg Book Drops is a new podcast brought to you by Librarians Connect. Librarians Connect is a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we'll be discussing three of the 2022 Elementary Nutmeg nominees that you can check out from your local library. Today's episode of Elementary Nutmeg Book Drops includes Dinosaur Lady by Linda Skears, Moth, an evolution story by Isabel Thomas, and we will be joined by Ellen Potter, author of Bigfoot and Littlefoot. Let's get started with Dinosaur Lady. Hi, I'm Ann Poirier, school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. Today I'm excited to tell you about Dinosaur Lady, the daring discoveries of Mary Anning, the first paleontologist. This book is by Linda Skears, and it's illustrated by Marta Alvarez Miguens. It's published by Sourcebooks Explore. Are you a dinosaur expert? Perhaps you've heard of the Ichthyosaurus, a prehistoric marine reptile. You should also know about the girl who first discovered it when she was just 12 years old, the princess of paleontology, Mary Anning. Mary continued to dig for fossils in her hometown of Lyme Regis, England, where she made many more very important discoveries that would change the way scientists understood the history of our world. Linda Skears, the author, sent us a message to be recorded about Mary Anning and her book. Here's what I'd like to say about Mary Anning. I loved researching and writing about Mary Anning because she was absolutely amazing. She made so many important scientific discoveries during her lifetime, beginning when she was only 11 years old. No matter what she faced, she never gave up looking for answers to the questions she had about the world around her. After finding a fossilized head, she searched for its body for a year until she uncovered it. When Mary realized that many textbooks were written in French, she didn't let that slow her down. She simply taught herself to read French. Mary Anning spent her life being curious, asking questions, searching for answers, reading, studying, and learning everything she could about what fascinated her. I think we should all be like Mary Anning and stay curious, ask questions, seek answers and solutions, and most of all, read, read, read. I hope you enjoy getting to know Mary Anning as much as I did. Oh, Ms. Skears, I completely agree with you, and thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with Connecticut readers. If you enjoy Dinosaur Lady, you might also want to check out these fantastic picture book biographies of other scientists. Shark Lady, the true story of how Eugenie Clark became the ocean's most fearless scientist. That's by Jess Keating. Nothing Stopped Sophie, 
the story of unshakable mathematician Sophie Germain by Cheryl Bardot, and Hidden Figures, the true story of four black women and the space race by Margot Lee Shetterly. I hope you enjoy reading about Mary Anning, an unsung hero of natural history. Next up, Moth, an evolution story. Have you ever had to adapt to a new situation? Maybe your plans for the day changed and you had to change your clothes, or maybe it started to rain unexpectedly and you got rather wet before you could grab an umbrella. Hi, I'm Trisha Carlin, children's librarian at the Westbrook Public Library. If you have ever had to adjust to new circumstances, then you will be able to relate to this Nutmeg award-winning book. Moth, an evolution story, is the true story of how one species of moth changed over time so that it could avoid extinction. Can you think of other creatures that have had to do that? This is just one of many books written by Isabel Thomas. She's an elementary school educator with a special interest in science, technology, engineering, and math. Miss Thomas's background with children and her love of science benefit the readers of this very interesting nonfiction picture book. Illustrations for Moth, an evolution story, were created by Daniel Enuis, who used a variety of techniques and materials such as watercolors, crayons, and collage to create his unique pictures. This is Mr. Enuis's first picture book, but not his last. I especially love the moths in the pictures. Each one is different. Their markings remind me of looking up at the sky through leaves in the trees. The moths have a lacy, fragile presence. Fun fact, this talented pair live in two different countries, Isabel Thomas in England and Daniel Enuis in Greece. I wonder how they ended up working together. Moth, an Evolution Story was published by Bloomsbury Children's Books. The book starts out with the words, this is a story of light and dark, of change and adaptation, of survival and hope. I love that it puts such an optimistic view on change which so many people find hard to accept. Isabel Thomas has a whole bunch of other science picture books. This fall, she and Daniel Anuis expect to publish another book together called Fox, A Circle of Life Story. We'll have to keep our eyes open for it. Steve Jenkins is another author who writes wonderful nonfiction books about animals. So if you liked Moth, An Evolution Story, then you should read his books. One is called Life on Earth, The Story of Evolution, and another is called Secrets of Animal Camouflage. That's all for now. Happy reading! Let's find out about our last book for today, straight from the author. Today we're here with Ellen Potter, author of the 2022 Elementary Nutmeg nominee, Bigfoot and Littlefoot. Meet Hugo, a sensitive Sasquatch, and Boone, a curious human whose worlds surprisingly meet. <laughs> so we're very excited to talk to you about Bigfoot and Littlefoot today, Ms. Potter. All right, I'm gonna start with our first question. So the Sasquatch world of your book and Wittershin's Cavern where Hugo lives are so beautifully imagined. Has this been a place in your mind for a long time or did you create this world as you started the series? That's 
A very good question. Um, you know, I, it hadn't been in my mind um, beforehand. What I usually do when I start writing any book is I, I kind of set a theme for myself very loosely. So for Bigfoot and Littlefoot, the theme that was in my mind was creating a, like a hidden world, a world that a human could just walk by and not notice. So out of that came Wittershins Cavern. And really, you know, with every book, and this is probably how it is for most writers, there's always a part of the book that when you're writing, it's just so delicious and so much fun. And that was Wittershins Cavern for me. It was so much fun to write about, you know, the infrastructure and try to imagine what uh, Sasquatches would need and want in their, in their living space. And then thinking about the school, you know, the academy, what would it look like? What would they be teaching these kids, these Sasquatch kids? What would be important to them? And then the general store where you have, I mean, I actually had a lot of fun thinking up the food. Um, it made me hungry just thinking up all their pies and because they had to source everything from the woods outside. So all their food was, you know, berry pies and acorn nut butter, just all this stuff that sounded so yummy. So that's what will be sold in, you know, a bakery general store, including, uh, you know, you'd have the, the human repellent uh, that you that the Sasquatches could spray when they were out in the woods and they heard a human nearby and, and the repellent would smell like skunk. Um, so the humans would stay away. So it was just so much fun thinking of like, you know, like what would a, a Sasquatch uh, barber look like? Beauty parlor, you know, they have all this hair. So maybe some would want their hair curled and some would want to dye. You know, it, it was endless. And with each book, I sort of got to dive in a little deeper and, and find out a little bit more about the cavern. So it, yeah, it was a lot of fun to write that about that cavern. It was fun to read also. So much <laughs> fun to fun read. To, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And fun to get to know all the characters, too. Yeah. We really loved the character of Grandpa. He was so wise um, yes. with, with his words of wisdom for Hugo. Um, after Hugo says he wants to be a human and gets Mrs. Rattlebags angry, Grandpa says, I suppose that humans are no worse than Sasquatches. Some are good and some are bad and some are just a pain in the tush. <laughs> Is, is Grandpa modeled on somebody that you know? And what do you think that kids can learn from elders, like grandparents? Yeah, well, he's, he's uh, my, my own father um, was very open-minded and, and that's really what I brought into um, the grandpa. And you know, you would hope that if someone's on this planet for enough years that they would gain wisdom. Not everybody does, but you know, it's wonderful. Some are just a pain in the touch. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. Um, so he does, like, he is one of those just super wise and, and unusually open-minded uh, individuals. And he's kind of an anchor for Hugo because really his, because all the Sasquatches are fairly prejudiced against humans. They, you know, they, they've never met one. They don't know anything about them. So they've developed all these sort of misperceptions about humans. And the Hugo's grandfather's uh, sort of openness about, you know, they're just like anybody else, some good, some bad, that paves the way for Hugo's friendship. And 
this piece of the series, it kind of came, it sort of came out of the story. Um, I saw pretty, pretty early on the possibilities for this. And then it really became something that I wanted to, you know, highlight without being preachy, but the idea of uh, fear of the other and um, how these two communities, cultures, you humans and Sasquatches, they, they're afraid of each other. And, and they've, over the years, they've developed all these false ideas about the other, e each other. And so in the power really of these two kids, a human kid and a Sasquatch kid who, who become friends and how that really, that small incident can change an entire community. Because when Boone comes in into the fold of the Sasquatches, he does change their ideas about what a human is. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about Boone. Boone wants to be a cryptozoologist. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hard studies mysterious creatures. How did you pick that as his profession? And was it influenced at all by where you live and the museum that might be in your area? Well, yes. I mean, I there is a really, really wonderful museum in, in Portland. Um, what the reason I had uh, Boone wanting to become a cryptozoologist is kind of it's how I approach all my books is I typically um, I, I don't plot out my stories. Um, I have a vague idea of where they're going, but I don't know, you know, much further than a chapter or two ahead, but I spend a lot of time with my characters and what I like to do right in the beginning is to, um, you know, obviously get to know who these characters are, but also to give them what I call like a heart's desire, you know, this thing that they want really, really badly and then put obstacles up in their way. So having a kid who is obsessed with cryptids while well, the obstacle is right there and, and the opportunity is right there. So that seems sort of like a natural fit. In terms of, um, you know, Maine being uh, having a, an impact on the, the idea of, of using cryptids. Maine, certainly, there's a lot of uh, Bigfoot sightings in Maine. Um, also, I think in Oregon, there's, there's certain places where there's a lot of sightings. And Maine kind of lends itself to that because it's, you know, it's this remote woodsy place, you know, not in all parts of Maine, but a lot of Maine. And it, you do, you can find it, you, you feel like, you know, a cryptid's going to pop out behind a tree when you go through a hike. Uh, and so it did sort of lend itself to, to creating this, this setting of Bigfoot and Littlefoot. Um, but then also, I've been always fascinated with cryptids and, and Bigfoot. And um, so when I was writing this, this series, I did a ton of research on cryptids, on Bigfoot. And it was really interesting. So really, uh, there are so many cultures all over the globe that have a Bigfoot type legend, which was really surprising. I mean, I knew, you know, you know, the, the, the ones that we always hear about, but there were so many of them that had these, these Bigfoot stories. And then just sort of digging into cryptids as, you know, in the broader sense is, um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's really out there? And what was so fascinating was to look at certain animals like uh, Komodo dragon that was considered a cryptid for a very long time until they realized, or a platypus, 
same thing. I mean, they, they, and you can see why they would be sort of like, well, yeah, that's just sort of this unbelievable monstrous creature. So who knows? I mean, I always also like to keep an open mind about things. Um, so digging into the research about Bigfoot and other cryptids was fascinating. I love researching uh, my books. I love, in fact, I had to put a cap on the research because I could spend all day long go you know digging into these old stories and legends and then not write which is not good <laughs> yeah i gotta find a balance right <laughs> balance always yeah uh -huh. um, another one of my favorite quotes in the book is the world is full of mysteries if you just pay attention so you live in maine <laughs> this all this woodsy area are there any mysteries you witnessed or what is the best mystery you have witnessed well, we now we we moved away from Maine like two years ago, so now we're in upstate New York. Okay, we moved around a bit, which has been interesting, because um, that's also kind of put a stamp on a lot of my books of where I've I've lived. But uh, the best mystery, um, well, something had this happened in upstate New York several years ago. Uh, we I don't know if you can hear my dog snoring. He's really loud. I hope it's not overwhelming but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh so several years ago we we lived in a, a farmhouse and there was a barn and there was this wild cat that just came to live in the barn and we tried to you know to get her to have her spade but she was really feral like she wouldn't let us anywhere near her she got pregnant she had kittens and she hid the kittens in the barn sort of between two like there was a false wall and the regular wall and of course, I went to see the kittens and you had to actually climb a ladder to the top of the wall and look down and you could see them, but they, they were really, really far below. So I would always check. They were so cute and there were four of them. And, uh, that, and at that time, I got pregnant with my son, first, first uh, time, you know, first child. And um, so it was Mother's Day and we went out to celebrate. I didn't have my son yet, but, you know, I was about to be a mother. And we came back and we came back home and we got out of the car and the cat came running up to the car, which was unusual in itself. And she had something in her mouth. So I thought, oh, she caught something, but it was her kitten. And she dropped the kitten at my feet. And I was just, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I sat down on the grass and I held the kitten and I pet, and then she went away. And a minute later, she came back with her other kitten, another kitten, and she put this kitten in my lap. And then she went away and she did that. She brought every kitten out of the barn, put them in my lap. And then she sat, you know, maybe a few yards away watching and I played with them. And then after a while she came back and she took them all away. And it was so, it was like a Mother's Day gift. It was so amazing. And th those are the kind of mysteries that stick because they're so poignant and and inexplicable and yeah that's that was one of my favorite strange events that happened amazing wow yeah. that is amazing it reminds me a little bit of hugo bringing boone back um during the festival and yes. um taking yeah. that step to introduce boone to all of the his sasquatch friends and <laughs> Exactly. It's like a trust. It's so touching because it's a moment of trust when there there's no reason really to to trust each other, but somehow it's there. It's, it was beautiful. That's amazing. 
so thinking of all the different places that you lived and enjoyed, do you think that the geography of those different places influences the worlds that you build? And are there certain things that you see around you that you incorporate into those worlds? Oh, 100%. So we have moved around a lot. Now, I grew up in New York City. And actually, a lot of my books are set in New York City, even though I haven't lived there for a while. Um, but New York City is like a perfect setting for a kid's book because kids are kind of freer there. You know, you have, you can walk to places, you have a, you know, the train and the bus. So it gives kids, I think, more opportunities for an adventure, which of course is what you want in a kid's book. So I've said a lot of my books in New York City, but then we moved to Maine and we moved to, um, it, it was a tiny coastal town. Um, and it's sort of, it was like the murder she wrote kind of little town, but even smaller. And they, they were, and we were right on the water and there were these tiny islands all around. And there were people that lived on the islands all year round maybe like 20 people on an island. They were tiny and there were kids who lived on the islands and to go to school, the, the island had no school. They had to go to a bigger island. So how did they get there? They would take lobster boats every day. That was their school bus. There were people who fished for lobster. They'd volunteer to take these kids to and from school. And, you know, on their, on their way to school, they'd see seals popping out of the water. And it was just seems like such a magical way to live. And that living there, became sort of made me think about you know these island life and what that would be like and then and then fairy somehow got into into the mix and it became a piper green and fairy tree so yeah every um every place i've lived and the, i lived in the thousand islands and that became the setting for my book the humming room which is a modern version of the secret garden so the fun part about writing, and I always tell this to kids, is the research. It's really fun. A lot, there's always that old um, saying about write what you know. But I like writing about things I don't know about. I mean, of course, you want to write about what you know, too. That's also a great way to, to get into a world. But it's so much fun to learn about other things that you never would have thought about. And you do that in writing often. I, I just think it's, it's a little perk of being a writer. Well, I have to say my first to third grade book club just read Piper Green and the Fairy Tree a couple of weeks ago and they loved it. We actually made little earmuffs. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> That's great. The yeah. one we got from her brother, but you know. Um, so it's so cool to hear that it does, where you live influences you. How much, I, I know as a grown up that you don't always get to influence the art in the book. How mm -hmm. much interaction do you get to have with the art in your books? Surprisingly, little typically so Bigfoot and Littlefoot I had quite a bit to do with it I mean no, I didn't choose the artist I think she was amazing so and I'm usually really happy with the artists that that get chosen for my books but as a writer you usually do not get to choose the the, the illustrator um, but for Bigfoot and Littlefoot um, it was really she was great Flosita Sala she's so great and so talented and I did get to see her drafts and I got to have input in them, which was really wonderful. That doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, so the very first book, oh, I can find it right here. The very first book I wrote, Olivia Kidney, um, it's Peter H. Reynolds was the uh, illustrator. And um, I didn't realize that writers and illustrators really weren't supposed to have much contact in a way. Uh, and he was so awesome. He 
got my email and he secretly would send me drafts of his illustrations for Olivia Kidney. And when he found out that this book was set in the apartment building where I grew up, he had me take photos of the building and he based all the, you know, the interior drawings on, on the, the place where I grew up. So that was, that was really, really fun. And Piper Green too, I did get to work with the illustrator because she had never been to Maine. She'd never seen these islands and she'd never seen a lobster boat. So I went to the islands happily. Um, that was, you know, my job to go visit the islands and take photos and, and send them to her to help her with the illustrations. But um, yeah, to, I'm, I've always been really happy with the illustrators that I, I have, but you don't get to choose them. I love that you had to secretly okay. collaborate. Yes, that was so <laughs> funny. It was. It made it so much more fun. Honestly, great. So you've we've talked about Olivia Kidney and Piper Green. What can we expect next from you? Will there be more oh. series? Will you continue with the ones you have? I have a new series. I'm so excited about this. So it took me a long time. It's a big book. It's a middle grade fantasy, lots of magic set in New York City um, called Hither and Nye. And um, it just got picked up by Simon and Schuster and uh, they want a sequel. So that's my, um, I'm sort of doing revisions on the first one now and I'll be working on the sequel next. So I'm really, really excited about that. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, that is exciting. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ellen Potter, it has been so wonderful talking with you. We thank you so much for giving your time and helping to introduce Bigfoot and Littlefoot to our Connecticut Nutmeg readers. And uh, we really look forward to uh, reading your uh, upcoming books as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. This was a total treat. That's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast by going onto our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect.